Just one, one question. Angels, where are you? What are you doing right now? I mean, it, it may seem like a pretty, you know, simple thing or simple questions. And a lot of folks, you know, they just haven't trained their spiritual senses. The word says that those who um, are mature have trained their senses to discern good and evil, to discern. And discernment requires that we get out of our physical senses, that we get out of our the, the, the physical way that we're, that we're just leaning to, you know, we're not leaning to our own understanding, right? We're acknowledging God here in the room. We're acknowledging God in the situation. We're acknowledging that you're, he's here. And so I just, just felt like I wanted to, do a quick little two-second activation this morning. Yeah, because it's so easy to live naturally. It's so easy just to get up in the morning and go through your day and go through your week and, and not, not recognize the incredible kingdom of God that is right here all around us, surrounding us, within us. And so we, we try to even handle situations naturally. We try to, we, 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 you know, we deal with things naturally rather than supernaturally, right? I'm going to share one more thing. Um, one of the things that uh, has helped me a lot is recognizing that we perceive a very small part of reality. Right, I mean, there's radio frequencies coming through the room, microwaves. There's all even in the natural, right? This the table looks solid, but it's made up of, you know, just subatomic particles that you can't see with your physical eyes. Um, and it's helped me a lot because what it has taught me is not to rely on my perception and my perspective. When you become aware of your awareness. There is a level of freedom that you do not experience when you're under your awareness. And I will say this, you cannot operate in a discernment and under your awareness at the same time. If you are not aware of your awareness, you are not operating in discernment. It's really good. Like, it's so good, you kind of have to wrap your brain around it. What do you mean, aware of your awareness? I mean, just the fact that you have... We have perception filters. We have, we have an awareness. We have interpretations of things that are very small percentage of what's actually going on. How do I know? Because we're not aware of angels half the time. We're not aware of the unseen realm half the time. And so if you're not aware of the unseen realm, let me tell you, what else are you not aware of? Right? So becoming aware of your awareness is the first step into operating in discernment. And the fruit of that is you don't trust your perception. You do not trust your perspective. Why? Because it's the realm of the enemy. Oh, you better hear me. The enemy operates in this realm. For example, he had to get Eve to look at that piece of fruit from a natural perspective. He had to bring her down under natural awareness. Okay, I just, I just wanted to show, I didn't want to forget that, and I just felt like the Lord was just really wanting me to have us close our eyes and just kind of become aware of our awareness and recognize there's a whole nother realm, there's a whole nother kingdom, there's a whole nother reality that, that most, most of the time we're just not aware of. And so we live as fallen people. 
and we're not aware of our awareness. So get, get what it means is we're misjudging. Okay, awesome. Well, good. If I were you, I'd write something down so I'd remember that. Just saying. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, five minutes it goes, and the next thing you know, you're out of it again, and you're just right back where you were before you heard that. I'm just telling you, I, I mean, it is, it is half of the battle to stay awake. I'm telling you, that is half of the Christian battle is just staying awake and not, com- not falling asleep to the, to the spiritual realm and not just living a natural life. So, awesome. All right, well, we, they already released the kids, uh, so we don't need to do that. But let's bless them anyway. Father, we bless the kids today. We bless the, the, the Encounter Kids ministry. We bless the teachers in the classrooms. And we thank you that your spirit is moving in the lives of those little ones today and that they are encountering you in ways they haven't, haven't before. And uh, we just uh, thank you, God, for what you're doing in each of their lives. We bless each of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, if this is your first time here today, raise your hand or something so that we can see you and we can pray for you. Okay, awesome. I love to pray for our first-time visitors, so I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that it's not an accident that these folks, uh, their steps were ordered here today. They might have been invited by someone or not sure how they all got here, but Lord, I know that you know. And I know that you know them personally. You know the thoughts that they're thinking before they think them. You know the words that they're going to speak before they ever speak them. You know the number of hairs on their head. You know every single thing about them. You've known them before they were in their mother's womb. You know them so intimately. And Lord, you know what you're doing in their lives right now. Uh, And so we bless that. We just agree and say yes and amen to exactly what you're doing in their lives right now. And we say anything that's hindering that is rebuked in the name of Jesus. We take authority over every lie that's exalting itself against the knowledge of Jesus. Every way of being God that is just hindering them from being more of who you created them to be, uh, for, for being free, God, to just be at the full expression of who they are because they are a gift to the world. They are a gift on this planet. And, uh, God, we want to unwrap them. So we just say yes and amen to all that you've put inside of them and all that you're doing. And, Lord, whatever situations that they're facing that are bigger than them right now, Uh, whether those be financial situations, relational situations, whatever situation that they find themselves in facing a giant that's bigger than them, I just release a courage, and I just call them giant slayers, God. I call them, but not in their own strength, God. I pray that they're magnifying you bigger than the problem. I thank you that they've got a promise in their hand that is a sword in spirit, God, and that they are meditating on that promise day and night. Their thoughts are focused on you. They're magnifying you, God. And I just thank you that as they do that, Lord, you're fighting the battle and the giant's getting taken out, getting taken out. Whatever's behind, whatever's in front of them, God, I thank you that giant's been slain and that they are making progress and uh, breaking through in Jesus' name. Amen? We agree with that? Yes, Ray. A little bit of testimony? Okay, come on. You know, it's bold when you raise your hand in church. So, you know, that's good. Yeah, the Lord uh, has been showing me that I'm a, a person that has compassion on everyone. And that he showed me one uh, the other day, these people had a need of a car. They haven't had a car for months. And uh, 
and the Lord uh, just showed me they tried to get the car and they kept the enemies kept trying to stop them from getting this car. So the Lord told me uh, to put the down payment on the car, and I did to help the people out to get a car because uh, if they didn't get it that day, they was going to have to uh, they was going to lose it. So as the Lord just showed me, give them the money so they could get the down payment on a car, and then. The Lord also showed me, if any of you have a need, and I have the means, I will have compassion for every one of you. Well, awesome, Ray. Well, that's a testimony that you had the down payment to give, isn't it? Yeah, that's an awesome testimony, Ray. It's awesome. Yeah. So, a harvest on your, on your seed, Ray. Well, good. Well, just a couple more things. I'm going to keep going here. Uh, if you're a part of the Encounter Church family, make sure that you are connected via our Facebook page. And to do that, you can send an email to info at prayermountainco.com. And that'll be the best way for us to get you on that Facebook page. All right? Uh, and I do different things. I mean, I just encourage you guys. Like right now, yesterday I posted, um, you know, I encourage you guys to do a 30-day meditation on 1 Corinthians 13. So if you're not on that page, I'll just encourage you now. I mean, that was kind of my birthday present. I, I just felt like, you know, if you want to give me a birthday present, then just meditate on 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, because there's just a more revelation of God's love that he wants you to receive. It's like Amy, you know, driving down from Monument and like, I'm the beloved, I'm the beloved. And when, you know, when people read 1 Corinthians 13, sometimes we read it like, I'm not patient, I'm not kind. You know, you read it like this to-do list of things you're supposed to be. Okay, that's the wrong way to read 1 Corinthians 13, okay? I mean, because nobody operates in God's love like God, okay? Nobody's patience on her, nobody's kind. But the point is, the more that we receive God's love, and the more, guess what? The more you recognize that God is patient with you, do you know it automatically produces a level of patience in you that you didn't have before you realized how much patience you need, right? And when God is so kind to you, it, it, you, it transforms you as you receive God's love. So when I say meditated on, you know, for 30 days, it's really about receiving 1 Corinthians 13 for yourself. You are so loved. Like Amy said, God is so loves us. He's so patient. He's so gentle. He's so kind. He's, you know, he's just doesn't keep a record of our wrongs. Just a million good things that God does. And I'll tell you, if we'll do that, next thing you know, we'll be treating other people the same way. Not because we're trying to keep a list of to-dos, it's just because God's transformed our hearts. Amen? Amen. So, get, you know, get on the Facebook page. That was the point of that. We've got a leadership lab coming up on Monday, April 11th. So uh, if you are serving in any capacity in the church, then you are invited to attend that. Uh, it's at 7 p.m. Actually, it's at 6. It's at 6 p.m. And it'll be right here in the encounter room. So set, uh, 6 o'clock on tomorrow. No, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Great. All right, I want to encourage you guys, if you have not connected with me uh, either on Facebook, different than the Encounter Church Facebook page, but if you haven't connected to the Shalise page or you haven't signed up for the emails on Shalise.com, I really encourage you guys to do that. You know, every Friday I send out a Kisses from Heaven email, which is a first-person word from Father God. And I can guarantee you there's nothing out there like it, so it will minister to you in ways that I know we all need to be ministered to. This week it was all about casting your cares, and it was it had this encounter in it where you had to go and daddy study, you had to go and pop a study, and you had to make a list. You had to list out everything you were concerned about, everything you were worried about, and then you had to put it in God's inbox on his desk, right? How many of you know that will bless you? 
right? I mean, write it all out and then put, and let me say, don't get it back out of daddy's inbox. Keep it in daddy's inbox, you know? And he'll, he will take care of things you never thought he could take care of when you just put it in his inbox. But that's an example of, it's called Kisses from Heaven, and I love doing it, and I know it blesses folks. And then I also want you to get on there because there really is a new uh, three free video series that's gonna be being released in the next few weeks. It's gonna be called Experiencing the Fullness of God. And I, I mean, I know it's my teaching, but I'm telling you, I don't hear this anywhere else. And, and God wants you to experience more intimacy with him. He wants you to know him from the inside out. Inside out, that's the kind of access that God, you have to God's heart and to his thoughts and to his emotions. And half of us are just, you know, trying to get up to the throne room. Y'all didn't catch that. <clears throat> you know, half of us are trying to have encounters where we think the throne room is where we want to end up. Well, dear Lord, if you get in the throne room, at least get in God who's on sitting on the throne. If you're going to experience the throne room, do it from inside him. What, really, Shalise? No, really. So anyway... Sign up for that stuff. I know it'll, it'll bless you. We've got John Crowder coming at the end of the month. Somebody say yay. yay. Right? That's going to be eight, the 22nd and the 23rd. you got to sign up from his website, uh, and you got to register. We've got limited uh, seating, so, you know, you wanna, don't want to miss that. And then lastly, we have a five-session special going on for our Rethink Rapid Mind uh, renewal sessions. So you're getting a, a $25 discount when you buy five. So uh, just, you know, take advantage of that. Take advantage of that because it will change your life. Okay, other than that, go to your bulletin. There's other stuff on the bulletin I'm not going to cover, but... Uh, what you need to know is there, so make sure that you check it. All right, um, we're going to jump in. And thank you. I'm just—is it okay that, I, that I'm sitting? It makes it makes me feel like I'm a little subdued here, but it's just—I'm just—I was at a dance competition all day yesterday. We had to get there at 7 a.m., which means I had to get up and put girls and hair and makeup at four. So I'm just going to sit today. I, I feel like I'm going to get up and, you know, do a dance for y'all or something. Because it was an all-day affair of dance competition. And so it was fun, but I am exhausted. <laughs> that dance competition will get you exhausted. All right, let me find my um, notes here, and then we're going to get started. All right, where am I going? Here we go. All right. I'm going to go back to... Um, Psalms 115 again, uh, and as we're going to, we're going to take an offering here in a moment, but I, I want to, I wanted to, uh, God just has me on this scripture for right now. And I don't think it's just a, a scripture about giving. I think it's a scripture about increase and increase in every part of our lives. You know, it goes without saying that we are blessed. Are we blessed? Okay. Why are we blessed? Right? Why are we blessed? Because God blesses us. Give me another reason. Because we're covenant children. What's another reason we're blessed? Anything else? To be a blessing. Well, I'm going to take it from a union perspective because every time we're in here, that's what I'm going to do until we get it. We're blessed because we're in Christ. Oh, you better hear me. <laughs> Catherine heard me. She got it right, but she's, she, doesn't, she doesn't get brownie points. She's, she's the one that helping get it in you. So she better get the answer right. But we're in Christ. Gosh, what does this mean? 
We're in Christ. Let me tell you what it means. It means a whole lot of things in our lives are illegal. That's what it means. There's a whole lot of things in our lives that are just flat out illegal. If you're in Christ, you're, I mean, then, you know, we even say, oh, we're citizens of heaven. Well, why are we citizens of heaven? We're not just citizens of heaven separated from Jesus. Like we're walking around, hey, Jesus, what's up? We're in heaven. I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, that's a good thing to get your mind renewed to. That's awesome. It's way better than being a citizen here trapped in earth. You know what I mean? But no, we're citizens in heaven because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. You know, and, and the reality of it is, is that the majority of the time we live like we're not. We don't, we're not, again, it's kind of like that closing your eyes and there's a whole other dimension. Well, if you take that dimension to the nth degree, you have to, you have, you end up somewhere. And where you end up is in him. And I'll say this, we, we spend an awful lot of time trying to get stuff from God that we already have in Christ. We spend an awful lot of time trying to get things from God that we already have because we're in Christ. Now, what is the difference? There's a chasm here. There's a chasm between the way we live and the reality of where we live. There's a chasm between how we live and the reality of where we live. Okay, and that chasm can be measured by how much heaven is actually manifesting in your life. What do I mean by heaven manifesting in your life? Well, of course, that means increase financially. But it also means divine health. It means peace in your heart, in your mind, in your relationships. It means not dealing with depression. It means, you know, all these things are, are frankly, illegal. I mean, we don't, we don't see Jesus battling with depression. We don't see, I know it almost seems silly, doesn't it? But, but why, why do we, why do we, why do we battle with these things? Why do we battle, struggle with these things? Uh, because even though we have the mind of Christ, because we're in Christ, we don't, we don't live from that place. Okay, so Psalm 116, I love this scripture. I'm sorry, Psalm 115, um, Psalm 114. Sorry, Psalm 115, verse 14. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Um, I wonder, I love this scripture because it's just an increased scripture. And, you know, if, if the increase of his government, there shall be no end. And the blessing, another way of saying that you're blessed is saying, because sometimes we say blessed and we just think it's a good mood. You know, you're blessed. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm in a good mood. You know, but no, the blessing that you have in Christ actually produces something and it's called increase that's what it produces increase expansion fruitfulness multiplication so when i say you're blessed maybe another way to say it is you're increasing you're increasing you're increasing but you know what my circumstances aren't increasing man i just got dinged with a huge tax bill I mean, you know, taxes are due next week. That might be real. Like, oh, I got this big old tax bill, right? I'm not increasing. I'm decreasing. I'm about to write a big fat check. Okay. You know that when we believe that we're decreasing, that's a problem. Okay, so why? Because how many of you know the promised land belonged to the Israelites? That, God, that the Lord said, this is your land. 
Okay, this is your, this land of increase, this land of promise, I'm giving it to you. It's an inheritance. You're not going to have to work for it. You're not going to, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. But, you know, I talk about the scripture all the time, but I'm not going to stop, stop. It's Numbers 13, right? But these, these, they sent 12 spies in. 12 spies in. Is the land good? Yeah, it's got big old fat grapes, right? It's got big fruit. It's, but you know what? There's these giants in there and, you know, it was their, per, they just, they, they didn't see, they didn't see increase. Right? They saw something different than what the promise was. And how many of you know, because they saw something different than what God had said, they didn't experience what God had said. So even though we're increasing, even though we're blessed, if we don't come into agreement with that, we won't experience it. And how about, how about, you know, every person, in, salvation's available to every person on the planet. But if they don't get into agreement with salvation, how many of you know they don't experience salvation? Is it because it's not true? Is it because it's not available? No, it's because they don't, what, believe. All right? So I'm sharing this scripture because it says the Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. And I like to use the you and your children part because sometimes it's, you know, it's just easy to see, I don't know, family. You know, sometimes family is the hardest to believe for, right? Because you you, you just see them as they are instead of, Right? You don't see them increasing. You see them acting stupid. Doing stupid things. Making stupid decisions or whatever, right? Or not walking with the Lord or whatever we may see in our children. And I just want to encourage you that the Lord said your children will increase. Whatever your kids are struggling with, whatever's going through in your kids' lives, it says they'll increase. The Lord will bless you. The Lord has blessed us in Christ. And everything that's a part of our lives is increasing. Right? Now let me just say one other thing that sometimes... It doesn't, you're going to have to believe when it doesn't look like it. You're not going to experience it without having to have a, a perspective when it doesn't look like it, that it's happening. Okay? You don't, it, it's not belief to believe it when it's, when you see it. That's not believing it. That's seeing it. Okay? Believing it means that you believe it before you see it. Right? You believe it even in spite of it, right? Let me give another example. Abraham, how many of you know he was called to be the father of a nation? How many of you know he was old? And his wife was old. They were past childbearing years, right? But God called him something because God can do that. <laughs> God can just decide. And he decided to bless you. And guess what? He did it without your permission. He decided, I'm going to send Jesus, I'm going to put, every, I'm going to put humanity in Christ. Okay, I'm going, to just, I'm, going to, I'm going to represent them on the cross. I'm going to come to the cross and I'm going to die for the sins of the whole world. And he didn't ask the world's permission. He just got up there and did it. And I'm going to remove the barrier, the things that, that have kept them from being able to not just fellowship with me, but to actually be inside of my heart. And I'm going to put them there and I'm going to forgive them because I'm deciding. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. And they're not forgiven when they decide they're forgiven. They're forgiven because I decided they were forgiven and I shed my blood for the remission of sins. All right? So he decided. So my point is you were blessed before you even knew you were blessed. But you might not have experienced that blessing because you didn't believe that. So whatever you're facing that's not increasing, you need to, you need to look at that like it's a lie. 
If your kids are acting crazy, you need to just be like, that's a lie. Right? Anything that's going on in your life that doesn't look like increase, right? You look at it like, well, that's just a matter of time. That's just a matter of time. God's, God's increasing that right now. God's increasing that right now. God's increasing that right now. I can't look at that with my natural eyes. God's increasing that right now. Right? Because that's the, when, when it looks like you're decreasing, that's the time to believe that you're increasing. When you're writing out that big fat tax check, you need to be thankful that you have income to even pay taxes on. Right? And you need to write out that check. I know it's not easy. I get that this is not easy. But it's, it's the principles of increase. And you say, I thank you that I'm increasing. I'm incre- God, I'm increasing right now. I'm ri- this looks like I'm decreasing, but I'm actually increasing. I'm increasing. And you know what? If you'll do that with a cheerful heart, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to sometimes give your money to something you don't believe in, like the government. <laughs> you know, but it really, an increased person, if, let me tell you what increase actually looks like. It looks like never running out. No matter what, never running out. How would your decisions change if you really believe that? And would you really be that upset about writing that check? No, it would just be the cost of doing business. It'd be the cost of increasing. It'd be the cost of being blessed. This is just the, this is a, an indication that I'm blessed. I gotta write a bigger check. I better hire some better accountants. Alright? I heard a story one time about a person who lost a lot of money. And they were really upset. And their dad came to them and said, you know, no honey, you're gonna, if you're going to do uh, what God's called you to do, you're going to have to get over that, that mentality of feeling like, you know, oh, I did this and it was, you know, I lost all this money. He said, you're going to have to recognize that your heavenly father can absorb that. And so this person took on this mentality and said, oh, you know, it's no problem. And he said, just say this, no problem, we can absorb that. No problem, we can absorb that. So for those of you who are writing a big tax bill right now, just say, no problem, we can absorb that. Right? For those of you that have some unexpected expenses that came up, because God knows what. How many of you, what is it, you know, unexpected expenses, right? It's a part of life. You're like, oh, where's this coming from? You know, you just say, no problem. We can absorb that, right? We don't, and you don't have to know how we can absorb that. That's, that's, the, that's on the Father's inbox, amen? You put that in the inbox. Because he said he would increase you more and more, you and your children. He told Abraham, you're the father of many nations. And, and, and you know what Abraham had to do? He had to, when there was no hope, he had to hope. And he had to go strong in faith, glorifying God, and become fully persuaded that God was able to do what he promised. So in the midst of that, you grow strong in faith, giving glory to God, because he is faithful to do what he promised, which is increase me more and more. I am in Christ. I am blessed. I am increased more and more. I'm increasing more and more. Me and my children. We are increasing. And you just say it. You say it. You just you say it because that's what you say. Not because you feel like it. Not because there's any natural evidence of it. <laughs> you just say it because that's how people of faith talk. And you're a person of faith. And you're a person who God is using to testify that he is who he says he is. How about that? You're a person that God is using to testify that he is who he says he is. I'm available for that. Are you available for that? 
Okay, well, that means you're going to have to be that when it doesn't look like that. Everybody's up for it till you have to face something. And you have to actually believe them in a situation that doesn't look like increase. Right? All right. I know it's not easy because it's not natural. You got to step into another realm and and operate in the supernatural. So, all right. Well, let's um Chris already left. He normally would do a song now, so we're not going to do that. But let me just let me just pray over your giving today as you uh, make that out. And so, Father, I just thank you that we are increasing. Let me make sure I'm clear. So, yeah, you guys can just get your offerings, ties, offerings ready together while I'm praying. So, Father, I thank you that you are truly paying the bills. <laughs> You're writing out the tax checks. You're writing out the unexpected, you know, expenses checks. You know, you're writing out the things and, and, and that we need, Father, because you're a good dad. And, you know, we never outgrow our ability for you to be our dad. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're just in school here in the kingdom. We're just learning how to be sons. We're learning how to operate uh, as dependent as dependents <laughs> on your tax return. We're your dependents. <laughs> and so we, we're learning how to be that. We're learning how to be dependent. And I thank you, God, that you're patient as we learn. And that you, even in these situations we get into, that you're using those to train us. And so let's, we just, we're going to make a decision to trust you. We're going to choose to trust you, that you are who you say you are, that you're a God of miracles, that you're a supernatural provider, that you, for, for you know, centuries have been financing your church. For centuries you've been, you know, taking people into the promised lands. And so we're just going to believe that you can be God and that our, whatever we're facing is no big deal for you. And uh, we just thank you for, for taking care of us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being a good father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And help us believe. Help our unbelief. Help us believe in those places where it's hard for us to believe because we've just been through so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, Rick. Amen. That's good. Amen. That's encouraging, isn't it? Well, good. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in now to um, what we've been teaching on. Let's all go over to... um, Philippians, I'm going to grab my Bible now. Let's go over to Philippians, and let's go to Philippians chapter 3. We are in um, the second teaching. We took a break last week because Nate was here, Uh, but I started a series on Easter Sunday called Transfigured Living. How many of you were here on Easter and heard that part one? All right, well, if you weren't here, you might want to grab it. Um, I also gave some homework if you were here, and that was to read Philippians chapter 3. So how many of you were here actually read Philippians chapter 3? Awesome. Very good. Um, It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Philippians chapter 3 is amazing. And so I'm going to just, we're going to stay on it, so make sure that you are reading Philippians chapter 3. Now, I've got two assignments now. i got 1 Corinthians 13, and now we have uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3. But I tell you what, you, there's nothing really better you can do with your time than meditate the Word of God. You know, it's such a good exercise and a good thing to do. 
And I believe that when you take on the meditations that I'm asking you to do, there's something supernaturally that's imparted in that. Uh, I believe that you're that God is doing something corporately here. And I believe there's a grace when you just do that. That um, I know for me, I was always really, uh, you know, when I was sitting under different teachers and things, and they would give those kinds of instructions, I always did it. And I, because I just believed that God was using them to, as, as a voice in my life, that they were speaking into my life. You know, otherwise, why come? I mean, I'm just saying, you know. If it's just you and God, just let it be you and God. But if you believe that God is using me and that you're here today because he led you here, then you know what? Just believe that I'm speaking for him. And there's something he's wanting this body to get out of Philippians chapter 3. And so uh, last time we started reading in in verse 10, and I'm going to pick it up there again because that's where I feel led to start today. But there's a whole bunch that's said between verse 1 and verse 10. You know, Paul starts talking about all the reasons that he was qualified in the flesh to be used by God. Um, you know, and then he goes on to say that all those reasons that he was qualified to be used by God, he counted as trash. But all those things that you would think qualified him, disqualified him. You know, and I, I think sometimes, you know, we look for for natural things to qualify us when ultimately it's really him it's him because guess what if it's not him he doesn't get the glory you get the glory and that's the world system that's not the kingdom system who's getting the glory here jesus or you jesus uses the foolish things to confound the wise you know now i know we may not like that because sometimes when we think we're foolish, it makes us think we got, we, you know, with low self-esteem. But, but Paul literally chose to, to take the things that supposedly qualified him and said, these are trash. These are trash. I consider all of the, these things trash. And we'll start there because it's, um, it, it, talk, it kind of builds up to verse 10. So we'll start in verse 8. It says, yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss. He counted it as trash compared to something, okay? I count it as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything. And consider it to be mere rubbish, trash, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. And that I may, that I may actually be found and known as in him. And you might want to just highlight that. Found and known as in him. Not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own. And he says, based upon his obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness and supposed right standing with God thus acquired. Well, because we don't have Pharisees in the modern day, I mean, we have them, but they don't look the same as they did back then. Meaning, you know, there was a religious system there that there was um, there was a, an identity that these guys got. There was an honor that these guys got. It, it, it's like 
it was like a position that they were given that gave them self-esteem, okay? Today, it's not so much a, a pharisaical system that we look for. It's more just, you know, anything that you get identity from other than just being found in Christ. Anything that gives you identity, any kind of title, not, not I'm a Pharisee. I mean, maybe it's whatever, your job title, your, what, you know, whatever it is that you, it has to do with what you do, right? And it's whatever, it, it's something that you think because of it, you have worth, okay? My worth is tied to what I do. My worth is tied to my degree. My worth is tied to this, my importance, my, my, my opinion of myself, I think highly of myself. I'm, I have a good opinion of myself because of X, Y, and Z. And really, whatever X, Y, and Z might be, anything that we have esteem in ourselves other than the fact that we are found and known in him is trash. It's just pure, it's pure rubbish. It's just pure trash. Uh, why? Well, number one, it's not going to last. It's not, even, it's not eternal. So at best, it's only going to last as long as you're alive. All right, it is not an eternal identity. All right, an eternal identity and an eternal credentialing, if you will, lasts throughout all eternity. And let me say this, that's self-righteousness. It means that there, I, I'm, my, I'm right, I am okay. Righteousness is okayness. I have self-okayness because of X, Y, and Z, right? And there's no such thing as self-okayness. Why? Because you're not God. And you don't have the authority to make anything righteous to make anything okay. It's okay because of God's opinion of it. All right? You're okay because God said you're okay. Period. Right? And, and Paul said, I want to actually be found and known in him not having any self-achieved okayness that I can call my own. So I'm not going to have, I'm not a self-made man. You know, and actually in the Western culture, we actually, you know, we esteem that. You know, I worked hard. I owned everything I got. All right, you know, okay. And that's a, and I'm not, again, you know, there's, it's a, it's not saying that you're not going to work hard. It's not saying that we all just need to sit around and be lazy and do nothing. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that you don't get your identity from that. And you aren't able to boast in that. Most, what you really want to be able to say is God did all of this. Abraham tithed to Mikhail's, what is it, Mikhail'sedek. Because he said, don't let any man say that they made Abraham rich. I'm not going to have any kind of self-made anything. God's going to be the one. He's going to be my exceedingly great reward. That's what he called himself to Abraham. He said, hello, Abraham. I am your exceedingly great reward. One translation says, I'm your compensation. Right? And it's about source. And it's about a source of righteousness. Is it, is it from something we're generating or is it something that God generated? And Paul said, I'm going to let God, I'm going to have, you know, and he called it, you know, self-righteous of my own through obedience to the law. Well, that's what a fear, I mean, you could say, it's very rare today in, I mean, you know, most Christian circles I run in, you know, you get people who feel unworthy more than worthy. <laughs> but Pharisees felt worthy because they followed this law, right? Okay. And so that's kind of Paul's perspective on this. And then he says, um, I have no called my own based upon my obedience to the land law's demands, which comes through, he says, but 
sorry, I'm, I'm looking here. But possessing that <clears throat> genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ. Right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. And then verse 10, he says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And then he says, and that I may in the same way. So in what way? Progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted. Okay. That I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. This is so powerful. Paul is saying, I want to know him so intimately. Intimately, I want to know him. In the same way that I intimately desire to know him, I want to know, I want to have this revelation of, of this, of the resurrection and the power that was released in the resurrection. The, when death was defeated, and it wasn't just defeated in Jesus' life, it was defeated in all of our lives. In all of our lives, death was overcome. It is a lie that you're going to die. It's a lie. You are not going to die. You will be transformed. In an instant, you will be more alive in that moment than you've ever been the whole time on this side of it. It's actually something to be desired. Not in a suicidal way, <laughs> but in a, in a revelatory way. That Paul said, I'm betwixt between the two. Like, I have such a revelation that I am so drawn that I have so want to experience it right now without the hindrance of this flesh. This flesh is such a hindrance to me. I just want to really live it and be it. I want to be that. I want to be that free, that free. You know, but it's more, you know, it's better if I stay here with you in the flesh for your sake. Not better for me. It's better for you. And here's what he says. I want to know the power of this resurrection. It says over outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers so that I may so share in his sufferings as to continually be transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second because we think Paul was praying, I just want to suffer like Jesus. I want to suffer like Jesus. I want to, you know, I just want to suffer the same things that Jesus suffered. Suffering is godly. We think that I want to share in suffering. I'm closest to God when I'm suffering. You know how many, how many doctrines of devils have come out of that? I'm just telling you, it's a doctrine of the devil because we're not, the suffering that we're supposed to share in with Jesus is the crucifixion. We're supposed to so share in a crucifixion that Jesus, now I don't mean literal crucifixion, mystical crucifixion, that we are co-crucified with Christ. Paul said, I am co-crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I yet live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. In this life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul was saying, I want to share in what was accomplished on the cross to such a degree, not just for the purpose of suffering, for the purpose of revelation. I want to share in the revelation of what it meant, what the crucifixion meant, for a reason, by the way. I'm not just going to go do it because I'm morbid. And I'm not going to just go share in the crucifixion because it seems like a really good pharisaical religious thing to understand. 
No, I'm going to share in the crucifixion for the purpose, all right? Here it says, said, I must share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed. Let me say it a different way. The, the Greek word for that is the word metamorpho. Transfigured is another way that that word is translated. So that I may continually be transfigured into the spirit of his likeness, to, even into his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Man, this is really deep. It's hard. This is like, unless you have the Holy Ghost, you can't, I mean, you can't even really teach this because it's so much in there. But what Paul is saying is that I want to, I want to know him and I want to so experience the crucifixion so that I can actually go through a death that he experienced so that I can actually be resurrected like he was resurrected and so that I can live resurrected while I'm still in this body. So I'm going to actually so experience what Jesus experienced because actually, guess what? He's resurrected in me right now. He's resur- he did, he died, he went, he, he, he was buried and he came back glorified. He came back glorified with a body that walked through walls with, you know, he, has, he, he was this resurrected Jesus. And it says that I was buried with him, that I was raised with him. Like there's, there's this co-sharing of Jesus' experience. And that if I can just know that, if, and again, the Greek word is gnosko. So if I can just gnosko, it doesn't mean that I'm just theoretically knowing Jesus and I'm just theoretically progressively coming to know and be acquainted with him. But I'm actually experiencing Jesus. I'm experiencing this this crucifixion, resurrection, transfiguration. I'm experiencing it to such a degree that I'm living like I already died, like I already got resurrected right now before it ever happens. So there is something inside of me, Paul, that is so powerful. It's resurrected Christ. Resurrected Christ is in me, but I don't want him just to be in me. I want to experience him in that form in me. And I want to get so out of the way. I want to go, I want to experience death to such a degree that his life can actually come out of me and what he wants to do on the planet can actually be done through me. I mean, this is so awesome and so like, it feels like so unattainable by normal people like you and I. But you guys, this is actual Christianity. This is actual normal Christianity. It's that deep. And, but also the point that we live while in the body, like, like we're not in the body. And so much of what we hear is, you know, I mean, you know, heaven someday when we get to heaven. But it's not someday when we get to heaven. It's someday when we wake up. Now, it may be when we get to heaven, because that may be the first time you wake up. I'm telling you the truth. It may be the first time that you wake up, but I think the gnawing and the crying and all that stuff is going to be because we recognize we could have had it then. And we lived our life so below what Jesus had intended. 
And I'm telling you, this is a whole nother world. It's a whole nother world. It's a whole whole nother way of being. It's a whole, I mean, this is just, it's, man, it just almost feels overwhelming. But here's what Paul said. It's my determined purpose. Like this is my purpose. Here's what Paul was saying. I want to be an example of this. I want to be an example of this because it's, it's possible. And then he goes into verse 11 and says, I mean, verse 12, he says, not that I've attained it. You know, sometimes we act like, you know, I don't know what we act like these next few scriptures are. You know, forgetting what lies behind, I press towards the mark. It's so out of context, we're just like trying to forget our childhood. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so out of context. Now, Paul is saying, like, this is something so unattainable in the natural. Because he's trying to actually experience union with Christ. So that the power of the resurrection is experienced through him. And he's saying, not that I've already attained this or have already been made perfect, but I'm pressing to lay hold of let me say this, his determined purpose. I'm, la- I'm grasping to lay hold of and make my own that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own. Here's what he's saying. His determined purpose was God's determined purpose. He's saying it was God's determined purpose that I so share in Jesus' sufferings and I so experience the crucifixion as mine. And the resurrection as mine and the power coming out of that resurrection that I so experience that as mine that I live in a way before I die as though I already died. And I live on this side of heaven in heaven. And the resurrected Jesus lives through me. Am I making sense? Like, it, 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 I'm making sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I, no, I, I, here's what I here's what I say to that because I think this is what I think. I think that because I think there's only one way to do all of that uh, because I think the moment you try to deny your flesh, you're in the flesh. I'm just saying you're you're just you know you're you're, you're just in the flesh. So I, I mean what you know I'm, I'm trying to say because it's just I mean and I don't know about you but I got a really strong flesh, you know. Uh, that's why I had to get filled with the Holy Ghost just to even read the Bible. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I had to get filled with the Holy Ghost just to even, I mean, like to be a good Christian, I did not have a bit of pharisaical thing in me. Like I could have never been a Pharisee, right? I mean, because it was going to take the grace of God just to get her down to like base level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the grace of God to get her up here just so she can crack the book. You know? And so for me... What I feel like, what he's really going for, and I think this is why it's so awesome, frankly, is he's just going for knowing him. I feel like Paul is the one thing he determined, in my mind, was just to go after knowing him. 
and because I do believe that when it's it, that as we that's about I think all you can do. And I think when you when when you do start to make that your determined purpose, I think the rest takes over. You know, when I got filled with the Holy, I'm just going to show you how much of the grace of God. I mean, the grace of God has been, it really infuriates people sometimes because they just want me to have something. And I said it last week, you know, I was like, you know, expectations. And I'm not saying that, you know, you, we can't sit down and have an, a conversation about like, here's my expectations or something. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I recognize that ultimately the grace of God is going to have to do the job. Because no flesh is going to glory. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. But even that's going to take some grace. Because, I mean, I know in my own strength, I mean, that's why things like, you know, just little kid prayers like help. I mean, you just, you know, just, just take it. I feel like the humblest position that we can take is the most powerful position. The most dependent position that we can take is the most powerful position. Um, because he's just that powerful. He's just that powerful. He's just that powerful. He's just that able. He's, his grace really is made perfect in weakness. You know, I mean, it really is. His strength is made perfect in our, in our weakness. His, 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 you know, Paul said, all glory in my weaknesses. And I mean, that's so counterproductive because we just are so used to being responsible and actually having a self-esteem from that responsibility. So there's, there's a, a system set up in us where the flesh has propped itself up as a way to have self-esteem. And I don't know if I'm making sense with that, but it, it yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're living in that way, but the, which is exactly why Paul prayed the prayer in Ephesus. Father, grant them. Father, I'm praying. Grant them as, you know, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. So I'm now praying what I'm going for, which is this knowledge of God. I'm going, I'm praying over the church of Ephesus. I, give them Holy Spirit. Let's just say it this way. Holy Spirit. Come to them in a way where they begin to experience you. And then flood their heart with light. Enlighten the eyes of their understanding so that they can know the hope of their calling. Meaning they've got to see something. They've got to see something. I mean, I think that's personally why this ministry and my personal ministry is even being raised up. Is because you can't, you can't even try to get to the place where you only do what you see the Father do. And if you can't see anything. And you're walking around just blind. You're just a blind Christian with spiritual senses that are totally dead. Or or they're awake about 2% of the time. I mean, you can't. you know, And you can't even have confidence that you're ever hearing God. You will have no confidence that you're actually hearing God. You will second-guess everything because it's not the place that you live. And you don't have enough experience in your walk with God to say, when I follow God, this is how it works out. Right? 
He also said, the father in me does the work. The father in me does the work. And I'll say this, if we're working, he's not. I'll tell you, we are unlearning how to work. And that is so hard. I would love to say that that's easy. That is not hard. We To learn to labor, like we're going to work to not work. We're going to labor to enter into rest. Like that doesn't even make sense. Like you've got to have a freaking Holy Spirit just to understand that. Like what? I'm working not to work. Like what? Because there's not a natural correlation in that. Like the yard's not to get mowed unless you mow it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, like, we just, we don't, it's such a, it has to be a revelation. It has to be a revelation. But Jesus flowed in a way, yes, where he was, you know, he was seeing and seeing at the same time. He was hearing and hearing at the same time. He was discerning and discerning. I mean, one of the reasons why I'm such a big proponent of inner healing is because it gets the mess out of the way. It gets the things that hinders your spiritual perception out of the way. Because your perception, when you've got a trigger going through your mind, you don't, are you kidding me? You're under control before you even knew what hit you. And most of us never wake up from that. We really think the problem's the problem. I mean, just think about that. Like, what if what if resting literally just to have an empty mind? <sighs> right? Like, I'm gonna need some Nyquil Z's or something. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, you know, I mean, right? I mean, some your mind, yeah, right, yeah. And I just think that Paul, what Paul said. So this is what I know because we so want to do something. We want to do something. Like, we surely we got to do something which really is the spirit of religion. I mean, and it's again, it's not that you don't do anything. I mean, Jesus did stuff. It's not like he sat there, you know, whatever, doing nothing. He, he was doing stuff every day, totally doing stuff every day. So it's not that, it's not that you're not doing something. It's, it's a way of being. It's a, and let me say this. I truly believe with all of my heart that you can't even become the way of being without Jesus making you be that way. Like, you can't even will yourself into a way of being. Jesus has to put you into a new way of being. It's called my renewal. And he has to truly create in you a a, a being that rests. And it's through what? Encounters like you just experienced, right? You had an encounter with the Lord that was teaching you about a new way of being. And it's only the encounters with God that, that change us. I mean, granted, you can have an encounter with God reading the Bible. You can have an encounter with God in dreams. You can have an encounter with God a lot of different ways, in prayer and in worship. You can have encounters with God. But encounters with God are required to change us, to transform us. And Paul here just said, I have a determined purpose. I have one purpose, and it's to know him. Everything else will come out of that. And let's say this, you can't get too far into knowing him without the power of the resurrection being a part of what you learn. 
because he defeated it. He defeated death. So if you're going to know him, you're going to have to know what he did. Because what he did is part of who he is. It shows just how powerful he is, just how trustworthy he is, just how faithful he is, and just how silly it is to worry. I mean, really. When you get to know him, you start to recognize, this is just silly. And if I'm worrying, I literally don't know him. There's a revelation of him I do not have. Okay, that's just one example. If I, let me just say it, if I'm sick, there's a revelation of him that I don't have. If I'm broke, there's a revelation of him that I don't have. There's a revelation of him. Because he's, I mean, first of all, he's none of those things. You know, it's him. It's him. So Paul just had it straight. Paul had it straight. You know, and, and Jesus said the same thing. He said it to Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. He said, but Mary, she has chosen wisely. For there is one thing that is needful. One thing that is needful. What? Him. I mean, you know, Matthew 6. Take no thought for your life. That is just irresponsible. What do you mean take no thought for your life? That is irresponsible. I need to think about my life. If I'm not thinking about my life, who is thinking about my life? Right? Take no thought for your life. Like, I mean, if you just took that one scripture and was like, what am I supposed to think about then? Him. 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 You know? That's why where Brother Lawrence had it right. Is he just practiced the presence. And washing dishes became glorious. What you're doing, it's not the point. I mean... You know, I, I know people that have raised the dead and said they expected something more. Like they expected it to be more glorious or more exciting or something, but it felt like brushing their teeth. Like it didn't feel like the thing that you would think, this is it. You know, I mean, I've seen some of the most incredible miracles with just like a thought that came into my head, me calling it out and it thinking to myself, like, is that, was that God? Like, it was just so unspectacular. And so what does make it spectacular? Well, him. You know, I read a book. There's a book I have, something about searching for significance or something like that. And it's written by this minister who, you know, had all, you know, had all this stuff that you would think, finally, you've arrived. You know, and none of it has the capacity to give you what what you weren't designed by God to fulfill you. You know, this month's core value is, you know, that present perfect book by Gregory Boyd, which talks about the, kind of the modern-day Brother Lawrence, that is just like the practicing the presence of God makes the ordinary extraordinary. And really, I personally believe until we can get to the place where the ordinary becomes extraordinary, why 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 give them something extraordinary? Because it's an idol. It's your source. And Paul said, this is my determined purpose. Like, I, you know, for folks that are ready for this, this is a good, this is amazing. For folks that think this sounds boring or this sounds like, oh, God, like just getting to know God, that's what we're going to do with the rest of our life. You know, that's someone who's never got to know him. 
That's someone who's never encountered the presence of God that gets you so undone, you don't even know what you're going to do. Like, you're literally so out of your mind, so you're just so overwhelmed, you don't even, like, it's, you know, you don't, you don't, unless you've experienced him greatly, then you don't know what you don't know. That's why I love what Bill Johnson says, we owe the world an encounter with God. We don't owe him a sermon. You know, we owe him an encounter. Because an encounter with God, there's nothing else on the planet like it. And then, but Paul says, my determined purpose is to know him, but not just to know him. You know, it's, it's to experience him in such a way that he's living through me. In such a degree that, oh, but <laughs> this gospel becomes true. We're, you know, and I feel like a life lived, if we lived that way, I mean, really, I mean, really, every day, like, what would every day be like? What would it be like? Like, if you went to work that day, and but it was Christ going to work that day, and, you know, you went, whatever we're doing, you know? That would make life pretty amazing. Am I making sense? Yeah. So I believe that transfigured living means that we are living like that. And I'll say this, if, I, if you don't preach it, nobody even knows it's possible. Nobody even knows it's possible that you can live this way right now. And I know, I know a bunch of people that have made that their determined purpose. You know, I know I'm one. You know, my determined purpose is to know him. Like, I may get sidetracked some days and think, you know, get lost on this, but ultimately I come back. I mean, my whole ministry, my whole life is dedicated to helping people know him. And so, therefore, I mean, it becomes almost this weird thing. Like, okay, my, my goal is to know him, but then it's supposed to be so everybody else can know him. It's just, it's, I mean, I feel like I'm the luckiest person on the planet. I feel like I'm a marriage counselor for Jesus and his bride. You know? And, you know, there, there's something to that because when you do know him, I mean, I think about when I go places where you're in the world and people, I mean, they have no clue. You know, they don't know. And you forget how much you know until you get around people that know nothing. It's, I mean, sometimes it's hard. You know, when you, when you get around people that know nothing, where do you even start? You know, and, and we have all these little Christian things we think, right, you know, with like this agenda to get them saved. And... Half the time I find that God's teaching me something through them about love. And and then you get, you know, but then you just, it just, my point is, is that when I get there, it's usually, and I do get the opportunity to share. Like I had the opportunity this weekend just to share with some people that, you know, from the dance company and stuff. And, and it's, you know, I'm not sharing. It's not like I'm sharing Jesus. I'm... I don't know, I'm relating to what they're going through. And, you know, when you sit around people and you know they're going through something that is you know 100% demonic, or you know 100%, you, you really do know how to help them. But you also recognize that they are probably in a place that no matter what you say, it's like speaking pig Latin or something, like they're not going to be able to receive it. 
first of all, a lot of people are so oblivious, they, they just go ahead and do it and end up making more of a mess than if they just said nothing. You know, but I, I mean, I've tried to be really cognizant in those places and be, because Jesus loves these people, loves people so much, you know, and I, you just, first of all, a lot of times what happens is I just feel the God's heart for that. God's heart for what they're going through. And I mean, I get it right now, just feeling what he's going through. And then I, I also feel just this part of it, like you, you want to help so badly, but they are where they are. You know, when I think back to the, the Christians that helped me where I was, where I was, and how they had to be so wise because there were so many barriers to me listening to anything. And that just little piece here and a little piece here, you know, God would use people. Little piece here, little piece here, little piece here. And now here I am, and you know, supposedly becoming this intimacy expert with God. You know, I mean, look at God. And to think that we are a part of that for people. That we get the opportunity to be used a part in their, their journey with God. And like, if, if you see, you only do what the Father is doing. Yeah. Well, that was a long way around to go today. But I, I really want you to stay in this chapter. In this chapter and just... Staying there, and, and I'll say this, if we make our determined purpose knowing him, there are no limits on our life. The limits will just be removed off of our life. And how God can use us will be up to him. However God wants to use us. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um. All right, well, I'm going to close, and I'm going to close with this um, prayer. Father, I just thank you that um, this is like an impossible thing. It's impossible to even know you without you. (laughs) Um, You know, so we're just here just like, okay, we read the word. We we see what you're saying. We see what Paul dedicated his life to. We... um, we know where Paul came from, so obviously you knew how to get to him. <laughs> and so you know how to get to everybody here. You know, and, and a lot of us have already were like, yeah, this is our determined purpose. We've already made that decision, but there's more. I mean, there's more to know. There's more, there's something that you're wanting to reveal to us right now. I, I'm remembering how Graham Cook would say, everything that we're going through is an opportunity for God to reveal himself in a way that if we weren't going through that, he wouldn't be able to reveal himself to us that way. And so, Lord, help us um, recognize what you're trying to reveal to us, like the attributes of who you are and what we're going through. Uh, And we just, um, we know that you're already doing that. That's why we're even here today talking about it, because it's something you're already doing. And uh, so there's really not much to say except, Okay, do it, okay, okay, yeah, that's a good idea, it's yours, go ahead. And um, Father, I just, I just, I release encounters in the name of Jesus over everybody in this room. I release encounters that shift their perspective of you, that bring them into a level of knowing you and understanding you like never before. I release encounters with Papa 
with Jesus. I release encounters with Jesus. I release encounters with Holy Spirit. God, I, I blow on their dream life. I, I, I declare right now, Father, that they are dreaming uh, vivid dreams, lucid dreams, that they can't even tell if it's they're awake or asleep, God. And I thank you that as a result, it, it's releasing knowledge of you. Whew, thank you, Lord. You know exactly what they need from you, Father exactly what they need from you, Holy Spirit, and what they need from you, Jesus. And so we just we just tear the veil off of the scene realm. We, we just, I command blindness to go in Jesus' name, and I release um, spiritual hearing and spiritual sight, and I just, I, I say greater anointing on their spiritual senses, God. And we thank you that as we experience these encounters, God, that we carry those encounters, not just... They're not just for us, but they're for others that are around us, God. And help us depend on you to share that with others. In Jesus' name.